0: The Third Step Manhood An Age of Stepping Up Again and Again. From Stepping Up A Call to Courageous Manhood by Dennis Rainey. Chapter 13 A Man of Endurance. Optimism is True Moral Courage. Ernest Shackleton. The voyage seemed mad, a desperate gamble. Row a 22-foot lifeboat through Antarctic winter seas, through gale-force winds, and swells over 50 feet high to a tiny island 800 miles away. In 1916, with only a compass and a sextant to guide them, and no under-armor, Gore-Tex, or goose-down gloves. Hopeless? without a doubt. Yet Ernest Shackleton knew that he and his companions had no choice. They were stuck on Elephant Island, a barren pile of rocks that was swept each day by wind and snow. Nobody in the outside world knew that he and the 27 men on his expedition were even alive. Nobody was looking for them. So, he devised an impossible and desperate plan to reach the whaling communities on the island of South Georgia and then send back a boat to rescue the men left on Elephant Island. It was their only hope. By this point, Shackleton and his men on the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition had already experienced enough adventure for a lifetime. A 40-year-old veteran of two previous Antarctic trips, Shackleton had raised funds in England for his quest to be the first to cross the South Pole by land. Their ship, the Endurance, steamed out of South Georgia on December 5, 1914, summer in Antarctica. The plan was to travel to a harbor a thousand miles away and then begin the land portion of their expedition but ice flows in the Arctic seas were unusually heavy for summertime. Shackleton and company made it within 85 miles of their destination, but then, after only 45 days at sea, the endurance was frozen fast in pack ice. For three weeks they tried to break free, and then they finally realized they were stuck until spring, seven months away. To come so close was More than tantalizing, it was maddening, wrote ship surgeon Alexander Macklin in his diary. Macklin went on to write, Shackleton at this time showed one of his sparks of real greatness. He did not rage at all or show outwardly the slightest sign of disappointment. He told us simply and calmly that we must winter in the pack, explained its dangers and possibilities, never lost his optimism, and prepared for winter. The next few months went surprisingly well, despite Arctic storms and temperatures down to 30 degrees below zero. In May, the sun disappeared and didn't rise again for four months. Shackleton put the men on a set daily work routine and organized games, dog races, sing-alongs, and book discussions. He participated in all the activities, trying to keep the men's spirits up and their hope alive. Events turned against them in October. When the pack ice began to melt, endurance made of the hardest wood known to man at that time, ironwood, was hopelessly wedged between shifting ice flows and eventually was crushed from the pressure. For the next few months, the men camped on ice flows hoping they would drift toward an island where supplies were stored. Then on April 9, 1916, the ice became dangerous. Cracks would open up without warning under their tents and several men nearly lost their lives. They boarded the lifeboats they had pulled from the Endurance and rowed for seven days on a harrowing journey through sub-zero temperatures surrounded by a pod of killer whales that terrified the men with their blood curdling blasts. Finally, exhausted and frostbitten, they arrived at Elephant Island. It was the first time they had stood on solid ground in 497 days. Shackleton was a man of action, and he knew the morale and physical condition of his men was deteriorating. Again, Macklin wrote, Ernest Shackleton sitting still and doing nothing wasn't Shackleton at all. Only 15 days after landing at Elephant Island, he and five others shoved off in a lifeboat. They had only four weeks of food and water on board. If they didn't make South Georgia Island in that time, Shackleton said, We were sure to go under. The seas and the weather were every bit as bad as they feared. Snow and heavy winds. Giant waves that tossed the small ship about like a toy. The men constantly pumped water out of the lifeboat. And when they could manage a nap, they often woke up thinking they were drowning. Once, Shackleton noticed a line of clear sky. Then he realized... It was actually the crest of a giant wave. He said, During the 26 years of experience in the ocean in all its moods, I had not encountered a wave so gigantic. It was a mighty upheaval of the ocean, a thing quite apart from the big white-capped seas that had been our tireless enemies for so many days. Somehow, the men endured the wave and kept the boat afloat. Throughout the chaos, Captain Frank Worsley managed to use fleeting glimpses of the sun to guide them towards South Georgia. In a twisting line, they made it closer and closer to the island. And then, just after sighting land, they were hit by the worst storm of all, a full-fledged hurricane. They battled the wind and waves nonstop for nine hours. Finally, The weather cleared enough for them to land. But there was one problem. They had landed on the wrong side of the island. Reaching the nearest whaling colony would have required a 150 mile trip around the island. But the lifeboat was too damaged. That option was out. Shackleton announced that they would hike across South Georgia Island on foot, a journey that no one had ever undertaken before. The island was nothing but mountains, crags, crevices, and treacherous snow. Their map of the island was blank in the middle because nobody had ever penetrated more than a mile from the coast. To Shackleton, however, it was the only option. At first, they got mixed up in the fog and headed in the wrong direction, ending up farther along the coast. They retraced their steps and then set out across the island. Twice, they reached high points in the mountains, only to discover huge crags of rock barred their way. On a third ascent, they made it over, but then were enveloped by a fog and couldn't see more than a few inches in front of them as they cautiously made their way down the mountain. As the sun set, they arrived at a huge snowfield and, knowing they lacked the clothing to spend the night at that altitude, decided to slide down in the near darkness. Worsley wrote, We seemed to shoot into space. For a moment my hair fairly stood on end. Then quite suddenly I felt a glow, and I knew that I was grinning. <laughs> they continued through the night and then had to retrace hours of hiking when they discovered once again that they were off course. Shackleton called for a rest and then forced himself to remain awake when the others immediately fell asleep. Shackleton said, I realized it would be disastrous if we all slumbered together, for sleep under such conditions merges into death. After five minutes I shook them into consciousness again, told them they had slept for half an hour, and gave the word for a fresh start. After 36 hours, the weary men stumbled into the whaling camp, the final leg of their impossible journey finally over. They looked like dirty, drunken beasts, with ragged clothes and long-tangled hair, It was nearly two and a half years since they had left the island to begin their expedition. The rest of the men were rescued. Not a single man perished. Shackleton again wrote, In memories we were rich. We had pierced the veneer of outside things. We had suffered, starved, and triumphed, and groveled down, yet grasped at glory grown bigger in the bigness of the whole. We had seen God in his splendor, heard the text that nature renders. We had reached the naked soul of man. Today, historians look upon Ernest Shackleton and his expedition with awe. Setting aside his disappointment when his mission failed, he threw himself into leading his men to survive and find a way back to civilization. Books have been written about his leadership and management skills. The 800-mile journey to South Georgia Island is considered one of the most remarkable sea voyages ever and nearly 40 years passed before British explorer Duncan Carse led another group in crossing the island on foot. After following much of the same route, Carse said of Shackleton, I don't know how they did it, except they had to. Two things impressed me most about Shackleton. His selfless attitude toward his men and his courageous determination to do whatever he could to survive. He didn't let obstacles stop him. He knew what needed to be done, and he refused to give up. As men, we are called to a similar type of courage—to know our duty, to lead our families, to pursue God's call for our lives with dogged determination, to never give up despite whatever obstacles we experience in life. As we move out of adolescence, it's important for us to exhibit endurance as we step up to our responsibilities as real men. As I will explain in subsequent chapters, we need the courage to initiate, the courage to protect, the courage to avoid stepping backward and down into adolescence, and the courage to believe. And one other thing before we move on. Stepping up and being a man is not a one-time event. It's a journey of thousands of courageous steps and a jillion small ones. Stepping up to courageous manhood is a lifetime process.